0: Bienvenidos to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Ness and every week I sit down for a 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week I'm curious about, did social media make artists need to be business people too? With Austin Weiner, renowned photographer, artist extraordinaire. She's worked with Cara Delevingne, Gigi Hadid, tons of people. She's been at Art Basel. She's showed at all of these really fierce places. Austin, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. You know... Art and ladies are two things that I love, and also, like, lady entrepreneurs are another thing that I super-duper love, which brings me to the topic of my gorgeous guest for this episode of Getting Curious. One day in New York, I was minding my own business, and I met this gorgeous, gorgeous woman who, like, blew my mind, and her name is Austin Wiener, and she's here with us in studio today— Welcome, Austin.
1: Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me.
0: So before you download this episode, I want you to tap the link down there that is actually a link to Austin's website. And I just want you to like, take a little gander of her, the chronological order of her work because the question I really have for Austin when I met her and I saw the the work that she does, she's this amazing, like photographer, artist, painter, photo- like, she's, like, all of these artists, like, all, and in- she's got all these mediums. Because what I was really taken by was, like, how her eye has evolved. Because, like, I feel like my eye evolved, like, with doing hair. Like, there's different things that I've been into and done at different times, but I'm not an artist in the way that you are. Like, I do it on people's hair. Like,
1: Well, your medium stays consistent, whereas mine kind of ebbs and flows and moves, and I come back to it, it's, like... In that way, I think it is different.
0: That's what I was into, though, is how different your style is.
1: Yeah, and I would say that that's definitely something— In the beginning of me starting to create, I was very insecure about was that I felt a desire. Even if I made something really good, I felt a desire to, like, find the next thing after. I never wanted to stay stagnant. And so I've sort of allowed myself that freedom within my practice. And that's, like, the one thing I keep consistent is kind of that moving. So for me, it's funny because even right now, I almost in a way feel the same way I did when I was 16 where— Nothing makes sense in the moment, but then everything makes sense when I have enough space to look back and see how things have progressed. So for me, everything really started in the dark room. You know, like in middle school, I think I had a standard— photography class elective I had to take and I kind of fell in love with the process of the dark room. I was like, "Ooh, it's so sexy in here and dark and there's so much freedom and and I can take a photograph and kind of make it something else and it was it was definitely the first medium I got my hands on that inspired me to use it as a vehicle to discover different things. And so the dark room turned into the digital camera kind of at the same time as the I always call it the digital revolution because I do feel like that really has happened with photography. You know, just in general, everyone's a photographer now. It kind of moved from the digital camera to the iPhone. And so kind of around that time, I started—I'm born and raised in Miami. And so uh, the nightlife scene's, like, massive there. And in high school, my job was—I was a full-blown, like, event nightlife photographer.
0: Ah. uh uh-huh. You
1: know, like, sneaking into the Versace mansion at 3 a.m., using it as an excuse to, like, shoot incredible people. Like, I was just the little— The little blonde-haired camera girl kind of all behind the scenes of this, like, very, very insane nightlife scene and and Miami and and early 2000s and just, like, everything that it is and became. And that was a wild experience for me. But from shooting in those conditions, I became a really technically— good photographer in terms of like really just nailing certain attributes that had nothing to do with creativity yeah so it's funny because during those years I became a great photographer but I wasn't so much thinking of it in that way and then a few years into it I started going you could see within my photographs I started kind of going off on tangents where I would like the photographs would be color-based. They'd be abstract. They wouldn't be what they were supposed to be. And I felt kind of that artist in me creeping in again.
0: Wait, I have a question. Yes. So when you're like a little baby 16-year-old, you're in Miami, and you're like, when did you first get a camera? And you're like, so you, because you did the class, and you're like, this is cool, but like, who are you inspired by? Like, did you, like, when I first got into hair, I was like, I learned about Kevin Aquan, and I got face forward, and I was like, Oh, my God. And then I got making faces, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God. Like, the hair on these and, like, the everything about it. Like, I'm obsessed. How did he do this? Like, his hands, like, how does he make these I shapes? need to
1: know. I need to emulate that. Yeah, like, totally. how, like, who
0: is your person? I
1: mean, my inspirations totally change, like, I feel like every six months. But during that time— um, the first photographer, I was like, this is something, was Annie Leibovitz. And I just, I loved the storytelling, the regalness, the production behind it. Like, they, it was so much more than taking a photograph. It was creating a world. And thus, David Les too. I mean, like, no one was cooler than David Les at that time. And I was totally enamored by him and his color palette and all the craziness. And I felt like I really related to that because— Miami was that, you know, it was neon lights and ecstasy and neon you know, raves and all of that shit. Excuse am I allowed no, to say a No, yeah, of can okay. say whatever you want, girl. Okay, cool. a of a
0: free, fair space.
1: Yes. So uh, that was definitely one of them. And then my first art book, which was in the teacher's a that the darkroom was in, was this a by Lucas Samaris, who's an artist from a 60s, who's a very, very mixed hybrid of photographer and artist and the book I had picked up which is still sitting in my house right now and I actually look at it all the time it's him taking these Polaroids they're like some of the first Polaroids and he would unlift the cover after he took a picture of it like one of the slides and he would take a pen and he would start making markings and drawing in it closing it back down so he would basically make these paintings out of Polaroids of himself nude and they were just like they were amazing and they were you know, provocative and dark and erotic. But then also, like, there was something really sad about them because it was just him in solitude. And I just—I fell in love. And so, like, the first kind of portraits I ever made were all these self-portraits of me in different um, rearview mirrors and in different, like, car mirrors that I found around— I mean, this is me in, like, seventh grade. So, like, walking around, like, the parking lots of our high school and, like, just— propping myself up anywhere I could to, like, see myself in these different rearview mirrors.
0: I love that story. Yeah, it was so weird. So then when you were little, did you—were you like, I want to grow up and be a photographer?
1: Yes. So from that point, I didn't think about anything but, like, that. I was like, oh, okay, I want to do this. I want to be a photographer. Like, I worked every night. I wasn't in school. Um, you know, I was out there. I was shooting. I was also experimenting a lot. Um, like producing my own shoots with my friends. I would make my friends do the most ridiculous of things. Like, like and, what? And, and to be like honest, what? that hasn't really changed. Like what? Like I was like I re- the
0: craziest thing you ever like got in your mind as like a teenager to that you had to create.
1: Okay. Like once I filled I made I bought, I think, something like 20 pounds of fruit, and I cut every single thing up exactly how I want it shaped, and then I filled an entire, like, outdoor—I got, like, an outdoor tub, filled this entire thing with, like, a real fruit salad, made two of my friends, like, get inside of it— for, like, no reason at all in my backyard. Like, I literally—I wasted so much fruit, and I just wanted the picture.
0: You just had, like—but you had, like, a thing you needed I to I had make. a thing.
1: I had a thing. Or, like, I had this idea of my—I br- needed a picture of my brother under the bridge. You know, red hot chili peppers. Like, we have to emulate that. So I just, like, made him crawl under this tiny bridge under, like, the uh, the highway off of Miami Gardens. I mean, it's it's kind of been a common theme. I mean, uh, we'll lead thereafter, but— same thing with Gigi. Like, that's how I met her was I had this idea that I wanted to paint her nude physically, like, use her as my canvas and then photograph it.
0: Ooh. Yes. Is that what I saw? The
1: Yes. That's what you saw. And so—and sh- she let me. And sh- even if you ask her, she'll be like, it's so funny because— you just made like yes, I let you, but it wasn't even a question. Like, of course, that just you made that happen.
0: Did you do that series with like like were you like did was that a part of your creativity where you're like I want to like draw on people naked and shoot that?
1: Well, it was very progressive. So like from that period of time when I was shooting in Miami, I went to school and I was like more formally studying it, and then I moved to New York, and when I moved to New York. I have older siblings. Okay, wait, I'm so yes, sorry, I'm, so sorry. I'm so sorry, I have a
0: question. All Because everyone knows that I, like, have, like, I don't, like, titles don't define us, but I do, like, she does love, like, titles and, like, so, so you're, like, I'm just going to, like, shoot, I'm not really going to go to school. I'm, like, a baby photographer. I'm blonde. I'm, like, going in, the, like, the Versace house. I'm, like, getting down and dirty. I'm, like, training on the job. But then you're, like, wait, I need, like, a moment. Yeah. So you went to school.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, life was moving really fast for a while and I wasn't going to go to college. Um, I like wanted to stay in the mix and I was like very enthralled in all that was going on. I mean, it was very exciting for a young photographer who felt like she had a chance somewhere, you know, and luckily I have good parents and they were like, no. You're going to go, even if you just try. So I initially went to the University of Michigan, which was so strange.
0: Yeah, from Miami, you're like, ew. I'm just
1: like, gross. But, (laughs) but— Going was the best decision I ever made, and leaving was the best decision I ever made. I just very quickly learned the things that were for me and were not for me, um, and I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't just throw myself in the mix. But it's funny because education-wise, at Michigan, I was in a more of a conceptual art school, and when I finally moved to New York, I was in a photo program. And I wanted to do the opposite things at the opposite times. So, like, I left Michigan because I didn't have photography. And by the time I got to the photography school, I had started painting. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, backtrack a bit. I went from Michigan to— I was like, I need a moment. I need to explore with my camera. I need to figure myself out. I had always lots of feelings. I'm, o- I'm very emotional. Um, and I...
0: I'm not. Yeah, I'm
1: not. what I'm that?
0: so emotional that I think maybe that's like why we were so deeply connected. How know. I'm like enamored with you immediately. Same.
1: You sat on the couch. I was like, oh, he's gushing. I
0: love. because But anyway, so but you're like, I need a minute. I need to explore. I need to find my voice. So
1: I went and I lived in Tel Aviv. I studied film there. And... It sort of was my last photojournalistic affair with my camera. Like, I never used my camera in the same way again. Um, that way shifted into something else that was beautiful. But it was definitely a moment of departure. Because
0: like, how- before Tel Aviv, you were, like, thinking more of, like a newsy, journalistic sort of way?
1: Yeah, I was sort of into, like, photojournalism. And not even newsy, but more, like, photojournalistic editorial. You know, um, photographing the world. Um people, kind of everything that was going on around me. And the one thing I did always know, even though I didn't know I wanted to make quote unquote art, was I knew that I had something in me that didn't prevent me from doing exactly what other people wanted me to do. Like there was some sort of creative force in me that always had my own way of doing things and like was very confident and stern in that. And funny enough, like along the way, that sort of made me really good at things and really bad at other things. And so like that is the one thing I do has always carried through. But then I moved to New York from Tel Aviv and I finally I was in Parsons. So now this is the first time I'm in like a technical photography school and I start painting on my photographs. And so this is the moment where the fashion kind of merges into my life. Um, I had I have two twin sisters and they're both were at the time in fashion industry. And I had just moved there. And and obviously, you know, I was already a photographer. And they needed backstage photographers for Fashion Week and for really amazing shows. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I started doing it. And it was like a very instant thing where like I was magnetic toward these models and the models were magnetic toward me. And we had a really amazing working flow. And it seemed that this was something that was just going to be in my life for a minute. And simultaneously, it was sort of the rise of what I call, like, the new age 90s models, you know, starting with Cara and
0: Gigi. Oh, my God. That was 15 minutes, and I cannot even start to, like, open this story and then, like, interrupt it in a second. So just, like, you guys, listen to me do a gorgeous rendition of, like, some funny commercials for a second, and we'll be right back more with Austin with Morgan curious. It's, like, it's going to get really interesting right now. I can feel it. Oh, my God. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van We have gorgeous Austin Wiener in-house, artist extraordinaire, photographer, painter, she's everything. So basically what you were saying was is that you, you started to get asked in to do some of these shows around Fashion Week. And you're like, all right, I'm here. I'm in person. I'm doing this. I'll do it. Yeah,
1: and they were really amazing. I mean, in the end of the day, I've always loved fashion. I've always been very exposed to it through my family. But I didn't expect it was such an interesting lane to have been— Introduced to going down and it was Anna and Michael Kors and and all these really amazing brands and simultaneously what I call like the rise of the new age 90s models were happening and it was I, I met Cara Delevingne. Right away, and I photographed her right away, and what I would do is I would turn in all of my quote-unquote, you know, deliverables to Michael Kors, and I would say, okay, you know, like, here are your selects, here's my check, thank you, job is done, but then what I would do is I would go home and I would start printing these images of these models and these faces that— I was captivated by it, and I would start painting on them. And I wasn't showing anyone. I wasn't telling anyone, and it sort of just, like, opened everything. And it was a very natural progression. I made this series of about six Cara portraits, and it just—they um, really seemed to capture that period of time and fashion, and people really responded to them, and it was a really amazing thing to see. It was kind of the first work I— That somehow publicly came out in this, like, new age internet age. When was that? That was uh, about six years ago, I would say. And so that's when, like, the internet started to play into me as an artist, which also very unexpected, you know, and and very new. It's it's so interesting to actually talk to artists because they're some of the most affected by social media and what's occurred. Positively or negatively, totally both it's a totally different experience of making art because the viewer is always present it feels like um but it's incredible because the exposure I've gotten it's like I can be sitting home in my underwear and I can still share my work and still connect with people and be able to have my privacy it's like the line between my studio and my personal life can sort of exist in in both places and it's it's interesting But then, from there, it gets even kind of more interesting, which is that I was dating someone at the time, and that person was the musical director for Cody Simpson at the time, and— Gigi and I met through that and through that period of time in our life. And we became friends and she loves art and she started loving my work. And so I had this idea. I was messing around again, always making my friends do ridiculous things, but I was lounging poolside with a friend of mine in Miami. And I asked them if I could paint them just with regular acrylic paint. And I painted them and it was crazy looking and I loved it. And I was like, this is so weird. And so I asked Gigi if I could do it. And she was just like, okay. And so she totally like loved the vision and we just I mean we were kids I was 20 she was 17 or 16 and we were just messing around and like what came out of it was just this like incredibly raw beautiful combination of the two of us like when I look at the images they really do look like the combination of us and and Gigi is such an artist herself so, so what she brought to that really was like an amazing amazing mix at such a interesting and vulnerable time at both of our lives like this is pre her being a supermodel and pre me really finding the lane in my work where I'm traveling in now and so that was monumental for me and monumental in my time in New York but then it was time for me to go again. And that brings me to Los Angeles. It's been three and a half years. I picked up a paintbrush—not a paintbrush. I picked up an oil stick, which is basically, like, a large— It's, a, imagine, like, a crayon, but it's made out of oil paint. Mm. So it's, like, silky and smooth. It's, like, paint in a stick form. But
0: you don't, like, dip it in water or anything? Nothing. No. And nothing. it's kind of hard? It's
1: very hard. It's, like, a very visceral— What's she called? Oil. A it's an oil stick.
0: Oil stick. And that's like what everyone calls it? Yeah,
1: or an oil bar. And it's like super visceral and kind of erotic and very, Ooh. it's very, um, it's a hard material. Like it's a workout to use. And I fell in love with the material because I always loved drawing and I love drawing on my photographs. But it wasn't like the paintbrush I was obsessed with. And so I started Using this material on the first day I moved here, it's been three years, and I've been painting pretty much every day since. And what's the most exciting is, you know, everything going on in the world right now for women, it's like I have sort of feel like I've been me the whole time, but all of a sudden my voice is, you know— Relevant to understand where it hadn't been for so long. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. Yeah, I want to ask
0: you about that. So, like, as a creator and as someone who, you know, you've been a photographer and you worked in the fashion industry, you've done all these, like, how do you feel the shift as you being like, because you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you, like, have had a business, your own business. You've worked for yourself for, like, like 10 years or 12 years or something. Because, like, isn't that what photographers are? Like, you guys work for yourselves, right? It's like a hairdresser. Totally. So, like, how has that power dynamic shifted?
1: Oh, it's it's insane. I mean, even just in the last year and mind you, my age it definitely has a lot to do with it. Like I'm also 28. Like I've really feel like I just really grew into my power as a woman and as a businesswoman even if what was going on in the world wasn't. However, what's gone on in the world is just like really brought it to another level for me. Um in the art world, I can't speak in every industry, but in the art world, um, by nature, artists just get screwed. And there is just such an insane power imbalance, and I don't believe in it.
0: A power imbalance between what and what?
1: Between gallerist and artist, between dealer and artist, um, in terms of the money, the the economic split of things, um, even just, like, opportunities and how they're delegated and worked out. I mean, it's, it's one of the most unregulated markets in the world. And... It's interesting because I think that within that, there are a lot of very powerful women. But in terms of artists, I think that it is, unfortunately, just like Hollywood, like, just so much happens behind the scenes. And it is a male-dominated industry, like, by far. And it even down to the artists, like— Painting has been ruled by men forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, forever,
1: you know, like. I did
0: just learn about this one, really fierce lady painter, though. Who? um, Well, she's from the Renaissance, and her name was uh, Artemisia Gentileschi. Ooh,
1: I don't know her. She's
0: from the Renaissance. She was in 1600. She was really major. She's really cool. (laughs)
1: But, like, it's just crazy. You know, if I ask you right, if I ask the average, not even the average, you'd probably be able to 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 make one from 1600.
0: I just had to name one from 1600. And yes, then Frida Kahlo. Like, that's... That's like a thing. I mean, know. not no shade anyway, because I'm sure there are like some really fierce lady artists right now that I just don't know because I don't want to like whatever, but...
1: No, there are. And I mean, I could rattle off a bunch. Mona Tomb, Cindy Sherman. But the point is I could rattle off like... Even me, I could rattle off like 15. I could go on for hours on men. And it's not that one has been creating more than the other. It's that no one has looked as women artists as relevant, period. And so I think it's interesting because I'm sort of, I I sit very split. I'm an old soul, but I'm a millennial and I'm an artist who's coming up in the age of social media. And so I very much do look at myself as a businesswoman and an artist. And I think for a lot of artists, and gallerists and dealers that's scary what they is like, don't know what mean? to do with that so a gallerist is a, a gallery owner um and essentially they are like the key holders so to speak to climbing the ladder of a certain type of success in the fine art
0: world. Who is that lady that barfs on stuff? She's not an artist, right? Or she is an artist. So you know that like that live performance lady, she like barfs, like um, paint on stuff? I think
1: her name's Millie something. Like, is,
0: is that a thing? Like you got to like go like, so you got, so like, so you want to get a painter. You gotta you want to get one of your things out there. That was like weird ADD me bringing yeah, her up. Yeah, no, do it, goes. do it, do it. But no, but so like, but you want to get a thing out there and then like, you got to like, who was like the ultimate gallerists?
1: I mean that's just so hard. You know there's so many different opinions from all you know across the board. Some artists want to be museum artists. Some artists only want to show in more like underground kind of oh. subculture scenes. Some artists want to go like straight for the gold, which is would be considered like blue big blue chip galleries. What's
0: a blue chip gallery?
1: A blue chip gallery would be like Gagosian or David Zwirner and these are like
0: <laughs> And you buy stuff from the gallery? Or you just get to go look at it.
1: You can buy something if you have, like, millions and millions of dollars, essentially. Got it. You know, so that's, like, the commercial art. Fine commercial art, like, the most expensive art in the world. Jeff Koons, like, you know. Yeah,
0: who's the mo- who's an artist now that's, like, alive that makes, like, the most— Who's commanding, like, the most expensive Sally Hirschberger haircut in the art world?
1: Uh, Artists? Yeah. That would be—they're all men. That would be, like, Mark Rochon, Christopher Wool. um— and probably maybe George Kondo and cause. they're all men, every single one. Yeah,
0: well, awesome here's about to be in there girl. Yes. Oh my she God.
1: Is. And so um but the flip side of that, the messed up part is that when I walk into the studio, I have to shut everything we just talked about completely off and pretend it doesn't even exist in my brain.
0: Oh why? Because it turns you feel like it it because
1: it, it, it Sometimes can yield like contrived work. Like I, you never, as an artist, like freedom is so important. Like I never want to be a slave to the things. I want the work to flow as it, as is. And I want to attract those things, but I never want to be something I'm not. And so it's definitely a careful dance of like I love the business and I understand the business, but it's like I'm an, in the end of the day I have to put the artist first always.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that is like such a dynamic, yeah. like, like like you know thing because because it's like because we are we house so many different things. Like we all wear so many different hats. Oh and my so, god,
1: so many. It's uh, exhausting.
0: It, yeah. It. It is exhausting. Like I
1: always say, like, I am down in the trenches and I'm up with the stars. And I love that. And I need that in my life. Like, I need the contrast of both. But it, it, it is exhausting. I do feel like I live in so many different worlds and play so many different parts. And we all do. But what I do with my life as my quote-unquote career is really the discovery of myself. And so that takes a tremendous amount of solitude. Like, if I didn't take the solitude, like, I was just in New York, we saw each other. I was running around like a maniac. I had the most fun ever. But I always have to take myself back back out like you got to come home now. I have a very short leash on myself. So it's like freedom of the utmost and then it's also complete jail and I think that that's just kind of how I am and how it is for a lot of artists.
0: So what's your what's your vision for Austin like 2020 or like tw- like what do you want to be when you grow up? Like what do you want to do you want what kind of gallerist, like artist do you want to be? Or or also I just have like this like wet dream vision. Do it. Um has there ever been like an artist who is like fuck the system and the gallerist. Like, I'm going to become Oprah on this bitch, and I'm just going to become, like, my own gallerist and i my own thing, and I'm just going to, like, charge people so much fucking, fucking money, money that yeah. I'm going to give cars to all the people that come to my mm-hmm. gallery this one day because, like, I'm actually the gallerist and the artist and the Oprah. Uh-huh. I'm, like, but I'm not no, trying to, like, impart my no, vision on you. No, no, no. You.
1: Your vision is real. Um, Like I said, I feel like I sit on that line and I wave back and forth on it, and so it'll be very in- interesting to see what happens. Um, In terms of, like, the broad vision... I know what I'm giving right now, you know, fears included, all of that included. And I have so—I mean, I'm just—I'm not even near the iceberg. Like, there's so much inside me, so many mediums I want to explore, so many stories I want to tell. Sometimes I'll laugh, and I'll be like, these are fucking paintings on a wall. And then sometimes I'm like, this is the most important thing in the world. And it's like that back and forth. One thing I feel that is important is just, like, my vulnerability and my rawness and my pain. Like, I need to heal myself and hopefully others through the process of me making my work and so text is a big part like I write a lot and I have yet to find a way to feed that into my work um, and so exploring that creating spaces I love spaces shout out maybe we we'll do a collab one day installation like yeah. all of that you know and and it's funny because i to me it's like you know a musician sees a rock star and they're like oh my god a rock star like i i that's the epic that's a mecca of everything right for me it's like the performance artist is like oh my god you are they they're on a throne you know because anyone who can, who can do what they can do to me is just Who's like Who's your
0: throne person for that?
1: Ooh I mean Marina Bramovic like would just have to be That was the sleeping lady in yes. Texas City right Yes. yeah Ep- she's epic
0: So um and then so Backtracking a little bit, so like, what is like a day in the life of Austin when you're like creating art or you're like getting or like someone's like, does someone come to you and they're like we want you to make us a painting or we're commissioning you on a thing like, and then you have to like, like what is it? What is it like? What how you do your life?
1: Well, so I feel like unex. Well, first of all, unexpectedly, I'm very regimented. Like I wake up between six and seven every day, no alarm, just naturally. Me too. I totally. No, I'm like
0: that's that sounded sarcastic, but like <laughs> I cannot sleep past like. 7 o'clock, even if I'm, like, between East, West, like, London, wherever, like, I, like, my body's just like, you're missing the world, get up. Yeah, same,
1: like, what are you doing? Get up, the sun's out. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, I get up, I try to work out, and then, honestly, like, I'm definitely in the studio by about 10 a.m. Some days, it involves me staring at a canvas with a paintbrush or oil stick in my hand, for hours, sometimes it involves me on a ladder painting the entire time without ever stepping back and looking at what I'm painting. Sometimes it's me working on ideas and sort of like grasping an overall idea of where I'm getting at. Like for right right now, I have a few things in front of me. So like my next show is during Art Basel at Bill Brady Gallery um, at the beginning of December. So I have a nice bit of time, but I have a lot I want to do for it. So it's about kind of like setting up my studio, almost like I'm a about to, like do surgery on something or someone, which is weird, but true. It's like a situation room and providing myself with all the materials, all the color palettes, what I've been feeling, what I've been thinking, text I've been gathering over a period of time. So like I think of myself as a hunter gatherer a lot. Like there are times that I'm out there and I'm just gathering life and I'm letting things seep in and I'm taking pictures and I'm writing about feelings and places and things. And then I come back into the studio. I take a look at all that I think about how those feelings would translate into color a lot of time. And then I sort of go from there. And I'll make like, let's say, five paintings. I'll think one of them is good. And then I'll go off on a tangent on that one. And I'll let that sort of lead me to the next place and the next place and so on.
0: I love that. Um, I could talk to you for 17 hours. I know, I'd love to. But what I—so this is what I want to ask now. So I think that one thing I've noticed in my life is that like a lot of my successes, like— some of it's like being at the right place at the right time, but it's also like a lot of like, I, for so long, I don't think I said no, like I just kept doing and kept doing and yeah. kept doing. It. It's not because like someone told me, to, like, I just loved what I do. I'm like passionate about what I want to do. I love working. I And there's also like that feeling of like, you know, what's next? Kind of like what you were talking about. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to be sedentary. So, but what do you say to like, you know, where I'm from? Like, I I don't think that most people get into some of the situations that, like, we have both stumbled into things, like, because of, like, luck and certain things yeah, that are just, like, whatever. wild. But what like, do I, like, and so it's, like, what do I say to, like, the little, you know, baby gay in the middle of America who, like, how do I go become a guy? I don't know. I just, I don't know.
1: Right, like, all the little girls who love to color. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, like, what do you say to, like, and the girls who want to become artists? And I all the time. Um, wh- two things. Um, one thing is... Being prolific is, in my opinion, just about the most important thing you can be in art. And I'm talking to the six-year-olds. Like, if you love to draw, do not stop. Like, draw an insane amount. Like, allow yourself to do that. Tell your mom you want to go into art classes. Keep doing it because, in my opinion, and especially when you get into your later years, like, I think something that happens a lot is, you know, people go to art school, for instance, and that— Technically yields to nothing. In the end of the day, art school, no art school, I personally dropped out. Like, what matters the most? There are a lot of talented people on earth, but like, you have to have an innate sense that you were put here to do something and you need to do it. And so, like, if one day it's soccer, play soccer nonstop. And if one day it's drawing and painting, do that and share with everyone around you. Like you just never know, even if you're in a rural town in the middle of nowhere and you have no idea how you're going to get out. Exposure is everything. You know, the internet for better or worse is a tool if you use it the right way. And just don't be afraid to put yourself out there because... Honestly, it's really nice to right now feel sort of embraced and like people are interested in me at 28 and that's awesome, but I've been this person since I was 12 years old and I've been suffering inside and I didn't think I was good enough and I didn't think I was thin enough and I didn't think I was pretty enough to be on the internet or this or that. I didn't think my work was good enough to show and you know, you do something enough and you believe in yourself enough and the right people turn around and they'll admire you for that and they'll lift you up and that'll further you along your path. And so just don't stop.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, Austin, thank you so much for coming. Thank you Um, for having me. No, thank you so much. And I just uh, so appreciate your time and we love you.
1: Oh, me too
0: you've been listening to Getting Curious with me Jonathan Van and my guest this week was Austin Weiner. you'll find links to Austin's work in the episode description of whatever device you're listening to this show on follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JVN and you'll find links to Austin's awesome stuff to follow her on as well our theme music is Freak by Quinn thank you so much to her for letting us use that gorgeous song and you guys we love a review you're doing such good work on those reviews writing them and writing them and writing them and giving us those stars you're making it rain with stars raining with interviews Um, make it rain with new subscribers let us know what you think you're curious about we'll do our best to get it in as long as i'm curious about it too and we can find someone and you guys i love you so much and thank you so much for listening to my little baby podcast and i just love you guys so much and thanks for listening and we will see you next time on getting curious